0: Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts right after this.
1: Agroplante is the leading manufacturer in specialty products. Agroplante formulates products that rise to the challenge of today's growing conditions. Saline and sodic soils reduce crop yield and cause significant crop losses. Agroplante developed Cat Ion EX5 Plus with growers in mind to manage soil salinity. With multiple years of research, Cat Ion EX5 Plus has proven to be an excellent source of calcium and an effective soil salinity manager. Run it through drip irrigation without any issues. Simplify your application method with innovative and efficient formulations. Alleviate salinity stress with CAT ION EX5 Plus. AgroPlantae, imagination, innovation, science in action.
0: The California Department of Food and Agriculture has established a regenerative agriculture work group to assist the State Board of Food and Agriculture in defining regenerative agriculture for state policies and programs. The 13-member group represents a diversity of agricultural stakeholders and members of the State Board and EFA SPA. The Regenerative Agriculture Definition Work Group will consider input from the public and CDFA's Environmental Farming Act Science Advisory Panel proposed framework to draft a recommendation for a definition of regenerative agriculture. The definition is anticipated to be submitted to the state board for consideration in June of 2024. The department anticipates up to three public meetings in Sacramento for the group. These meetings, estimated to be three hours each, will allow the review of feedback provided through public listening sessions, discussion on key elements of regenerative definition and development of a draft definition for consideration by the California State Board of Food and Agriculture. In October of 2022, in response to growing interest in regenerative agriculture and use of the term in legislation, CDFA State Board of Food and Agriculture initiated a public process to define the term for the purpose of state policies and programs. In other news from the California Department of Food and Agriculture, they are making available approximately $12 million in grant funding for the Healthy Soils Program Incentive Grants. The program's objectives are to increase statewide implementation of conservation management practices that improve soil health, sequester carbon, and reduce atmospheric greenhouse gases, according to a press release from the CDFA. California farmers, ranchers, business entities, California Native American tribes, and non-profit organizations are encouraged to apply. Applicants can request up to 100 dollars thousand dollars per project with priority given to applicants who are considered socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers the submission deadline for grants is february 9th at 5 p.m pacific time a powerpoint presentation and relevant materials are available and for more information on eligibility and program requirements contact cdfa directly Assemblymember Don Adidas, a Democrat from Morrow Bay, has introduced a bill to help control an agricultural disease affecting the wine industry. According to the California Department of Food and Agriculture, Pierce disease kills grapevines by clogging their water-conducting vessels. Assembly Bill 1861 aims to strengthen the Agricultural Department's Pierce Disease Control Program. The wine industry is integral to the economic success of the Central Coast and all of California, she said in a release, and she is excited to author AB 1861. It extends a crucial line of defense. Defense for the Wine Industry Against Invasive Disease. The bill would expand existing law that aims to research and prevent agricultural disease and invasive pests such as a glassy-winged sharpshooter. The bill is sponsored by the California Association of Wine Grid Growers and the Wine Institute. Over the past five years, California has experienced unprecedented wildfire activity that has devastated nearly 10 million acres across the state. Wildfire smoke has poured in from hundreds of miles away, severely impacting air quality around regions unaffected by the wildfire itself. It is a direct result of years of mismanaged forest and wildland strategies that have created a new reality for California, one in which wildfires burn faster and hotter than ever before, presenting grave dangers to the environment and residents. As a result, many people suffer from health and economic impacts as they have been forced to shelter in place, with businesses and schools shutting down and other daily operations coming to a halt. Senator Marie Alvarado Gill's Senate Bill 945, called the Wildfire, Smoke and Health Outcomes Data Act, would allow state agencies to track and monitor air pollution, population exposure and cases of adverse health outcomes due to wildfire smoke. Using a compiled data, the appropriate agencies would be able to facilitate future research efforts to better understand the negative impacts of wildfire smoke on the environment and California's population. Currently, there is insufficient data by the state and medical community on these health impacts. The California Council of Science and Technology recently published a report stating that improving the health of California's forests not only reduces the risk of wildfire, it can also benefit people's health. Shannon Douglas, president of the California Farm Bureau, weighed in on the significance of the bill, saying farming and ranching communities have been hit directly by wildfire smoke. At a time when the state and federal governments, including private landowners, are making substantial investments to mitigate wildfire hazards in forests and woodlands, it is imperative that policymakers understand how neglecting to invest in wildfire prone communities can impact health outcomes from bringing on respiratory illnesses to pregnancy complications across the state's population. It is essential they work with their environmental partners to create and maintain a resilient California where informed research guides actions and a commitment to forest health becomes the foundation for a safer, cleaner, and brighter future for all. Agriculture-focused students are being given the opportunity to work on projects and develop critical thinking skills that are pivotal for resumes and provide that edge for job seekers who are near graduation. The United States Department of Agriculture recently funded the NextGen grant through the National Institute of Food and Agriculture, which funds the California State University Agricultural Research Institute. The USDA funds competitive research grants in which it decides what the nation needs in terms of agricultural funding. Through communicating with its stakeholders, whether it's business, as companies or academics to get feedback on what they're doing and what is needed is done during a hearing session. During these meetings, public input is welcomed through submission of ideas and feedback. To learn more about the NextGen grant and how to apply, log on to the USDA website. Nutri-Rite Farm says it will launch a new era of berries with its annual February campaign highlighting the peak winter season for its conventional and organic blueberries. The Salinas, California-based producer and marketer says the new era is benchmarked by improved berry quality, ramped up innovation in breeding, growing and packaging, as well as increased prioritization of sustainability throughout the business. During February, peak supplies of berries will primarily come from Nutri-Ripe growers in Chile and will be supplemented by blueberries from Mexico and Peru, according to a news release. Nutri-Ripe said, regardless of origin, this year's blueberry crop has exceptional quality. Retailers can also feature Nutri-Ripe strawberries as they will be coming into promotable volumes a little early this year, according to the release. Strawberries are synonymous with Valentine's Day and retailers will be able to capitalize on a strong holiday demand for the berries. February is an excellent opportunity for retailers to take advantage of the peak volumes of berries. Retailers can use creative signage and blueberry displays, and this year they can complement their displays with the addition
2: of strawberries. The biostimulant industry has benefited from advances in biotechnology, leading to the development of innovative products with improved efficacy These cutting-edge solutions offer growers more effective ways to enhance crop yield and quality. According to Market.us, the biostimulant market size is forecasted to exceed $5.6 billion by 2033, with a promising compound annual growth rate of 7.5% from 2024 to 2033. Among the array of products classified as biostimulants are humates, which are naturally occurring materials rich in humic substances, Humates act as a sort of booster to existing fertilizers, helping with uptake. Increasing fertilizer efficiency is something that is becoming more of a priority today for growers looking to increase their bottom line. Russell Taylor, vice president of Live Earth Products Incorporated, which specializes in humates.
1: The most important thing about humates to remember is humates are a component of your soil organic matter. So when you talk about soil organic matter, you have your active fraction which is being broken down by microbes, those things that are being slowly converted uh, through degradation, and then what's left over. And those leftover components are your humic acid, your phobic acid, your human, those stable organic acids that are a component of your soil organic matter. So when we're adding humates, what we're trying to do is fast forward that soil building process. So when we're looking at soil health, part of your backbone of your soil is your soil's ability to hold, exchange, nutrients and, and hold water. So the soil organic matter is the key component of that. So when you talk about boosting fertilizer's capability, usually we're doing two things. We're, we're first of all, increasing that soil's ability to hold and store those nutrients. So we're effectively impacting our nutrient use efficiency and reducing our nutrient loss by increasing storage. What you also see is Humic acids have a high cation exchange capacity. Now, using humates in general not going to change a giant acre in one path. Over time, these organic acids slowly build up in the soil and therefore contribute to your soil organic matter and and your nutrient storage. But a lot of times, blending the nutrient with the humic acid will do two things. It'll help store that nutrient and it'll also reduce negative interactions. And what's interesting in our Western soils is you see a high phosphorus level in these high pH soils. And what that happens is usually because of the calcium. Now, the calcium is usually tying back to phosphorus either due to pH or, or just reacting with calcium. So, if you can get that nutrient attached somewhere else, you see less negative interactions. So, using humic acid with phosphorus seems to increase more net available phosphorus for the plant by reducing some of those negative interactions. So in, in a sense, yeah, we're, we're boosting the fertilizer's capability by either storing it longer or reducing negative interactions with the uh, other other nutrients.
2: Humates are lumped into the larger biostimulant category and function similarly to other biostimulants, but it's important to distinguish humates from these other products.
1: Humate is the granular material, so the salts of the humic acid. So those are the materials that are usually applied as a solid. Usually humates, when you're, you have the raw mined material, their pH 3.0, they're contributing acidity in addition to the organic acids. So most of the reactions you're getting from the humates are usually a function of pH, nutrient storage. Now, when you extract humic acid from humates, that's the, the liquid extract, you get some really interesting things that happen. So. Those extracts, when you apply them to the plant or, or with nutrients, you do get a biostimulant effect. And what we found is there is both a nutrient storage aspect to it and a biostimulant effect uh, aspect towards it. And some of this, we don't know if they're correlative uh, uh, or if they're completely separate phenomenon. So are we increasing nutrient availability that is stimulating root growth or is the humic acid just stimulating root growth? You know, the research is still out on that. But what we we do know is when we apply humic acid to, let's say, a corn crop, we see more internodal roots and we see them earlier. We know that when we apply humic acid with uh, liquid fertilizers like UAN32, we know we see more leaf tissue nitrogen later on in the season that's independent of the nitrogen applied with the humic acid. So there's most definitely something going on. uh, And whether it's a biostimulant effect or a nutrient effect, uh, we're still learning on the research, but yeah, there, there is definitely a difference between what the humic acid is doing and what some of the other components are doing. Um, some products may have uh, hormone like activities and, and, uh, and other microbial benefits that are, you know, fall in that biostimulant category. But the humates, yeah, we, we know there's a huge nutrient interaction.
2: Humates are applied foliarly in crops like corn and others in the Midwest, but it's much more common to see them applied to the soil in the western United States. The benefits have already been demonstrated in soils with little to no organic matter, but are they actually necessary in those soils with organic content?
1: You've got to look at the pool of organic matter in an acre. So if you took an acre of soil, six to eight inches deep, which is your average row crop where that crop's going to root, and look at that acre of soil, you've got about 2 million pounds of total soil. So if you're wanting to change that soil organic matter 1%, that's 20,000 pounds of pure organic matter. There, there's no real way that um, a gallon or, or you know a couple of gallons of humic acid every year is going to really make material changes to that soil organic matter. So we know we're not doing that. What we do see, though, is interactions within the soil solution. So that humic acid is going down and interacting with those nutrients that are floating around the soil solution and impacting either microbial activity or nutrient uptake. And and so that's what we think is happening. There's also um, some aspect of buffering. Now, humic acid has a high cation exchange capacity, which is the ability to store and exchange positively charged ions. Now, positively charged ions can be like ammonium or like your ammonium type fertilizers but it can also be things like sodium, calcium, or potassium. So let's say, for example, you had a San Joaquin Valley soil that has high sodium. If you put some humic acid down or or humic acid with that water that's got high salts, you're effectively buffering away some of that sodium and therefore impacting the way that plant hydrates by causing less of that sodium to interact with that plant root. So there's other things that are going on that we've haven't fully um, measured, and we're, we're currently doing some research trials in, in California. So if if you've got a really tough plot, reach out to us. We're happy to uh, include it in the trials. But we're still learning, and and we don't have all the answers yet. But we see a lot of good evidence for interaction with mitigating salts and also
2: storing the fertilizers. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Jahlström.
1: Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission, supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research advocacy for government programs and driving consumer demand. Doing more together.
0: The Food and Drug Administration and the Centers for Disease Control in collaboration with Canadian state and local partners investigated an outbreak of salmonella infections linked to recalled cantaloupe. As part of this investigation, FDA and industry partners have worked together to collect and analyze samples of cantaloupe. Two of the samples were positive for salmonella and whole genome sequencing analysis confirmed that the strain of the salmonella found in isolates associated with these two samples matched the same strain of salmonella found in ill people. One isolate tested positive for a salmonella strain that was not associated with the outbreak. Industries cooperation in collecting and sharing samples with FDA for further analysis provided additional information that helped to resolve this outbreak. CDC has announced that the outbreak is over. CDC reports a total of 407 illnesses in 44 states. There have been a total of 158 hospitalizations and six deaths associated with this incident. The last illness onset was December 25th of 2023. USA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack announced that USA is investing $207 million in renewable energy and domestic fertilizer projects. Vilsack made the announcement at the 105th Annual American Farm Bureau Federation Convention in Salt Lake City, Utah. He said the investments announced will expand access to renewable energy infrastructure and increase domestic fertilizer production, all while creating good-paying jobs and saving people money on their energy costs that they can then invest back into their businesses and communities. USA's investing in projects in 42 states funded through the Rural Energy for America program and the Fertilizer Production Expansion Program. The Rural Energy for America program awards total $157 million for 675 projects in 42 states. Projects financed through the Fertilizer Production Expansion Program will help U.S. farmers increase independent domestic fertilizer production. The investments include $50 million in seven projects in seven states. Funding supports long-term investments that will strengthen supply chains, create new economic opportunities for American businesses, and support climate-smart innovation. Farm Family Wellness Alliance launched Together All over the weekend, which is a free anonymous online mental health and well-being services platform for farm families. Announced at the American Farm Bureau Federation Annual Convention, the effort offers a safe, clinically moderated peer-to-peer community where members around the world are there to listen, support, and give members' mental well-being a boost. AFBF President Zippy Duvall says it's okay to not be okay, but it's okay to reach out when you're hurting. The Together All platform also offers a range of well being tools such as self-assessments and access to additional support services through a partnership with personal assistance services. Topics covered include anxiety, depression, financial health, improving sleep, and more. For more information, log on to farmfoundation.org. When it comes to fertilizer, prices paid are often dependent upon politics and infrastructure, not just in the U.S., but around the globe. President and CEO of the Fertilizer Institute, Corey Rosenbush, says the good news for 2024 is fertilizer won't cost as much as it has in recent years.
3: I think they won't see things quite as crazy as they've been the last two years. We've come off of a, a real interesting volatile market, and uh, some of those uh, extreme prices over the last two years have really started to come down, and that, and that actually started in uh, early 2023. We saw the market start to settle a bit. Thankfully for most ag retailers, that was not a crash landing. It was a bit of a soft landing. But what it did is it created this mentality to really draw down inventory to almost zero. And so as we went into summer fill and as we're getting ready for the fall and spring, people are starting to, you know, rebuild that inventory again. And so it's being done so on that price reset.
0: He says there are multiple factors that will impact the supply and transportation of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potash.
3: I think everyone thinks about pre-2019. So we're not going back to pre-2019. I think it's probably appropriate to say that we're, we're headed into a more normal market period. But at the same time, if you look at grain stock-to-use ratio on a global scale, driven by a lot of factors, including you know the continued war in Ukraine... There's going to be high demand.
0: The Fertilizer Institute's Corey Rosenbush. Quicker expensing of farm equipment and tax breaks for high interest costs are part of a sweeping bipartisan tax bill that just advanced to the full House. The bill, reported on a 40 to 3 vote by the House Ways and Means Committee, restores full and immediate expensing for farm and other equipment. Missouri Republican Representative and Committee Chairman Jason Smith. This bill also expands 100% expensing which allows employers to fully deduct the cost of equipment and machines that increase productivity and worker wages. When this policy was originally implemented, investment in American businesses grew 20%. Smith says right now small and mid-sized businesses are getting hammered by interest rates that are the highest in 23 years. As the Hothis continue to attack vessels transiting the Red Sea, shippers are faced with rising war risk premiums, higher freight costs, surcharges, and longer transit times. Meanwhile, the Panama Canal is still limiting the number of daily vessel transits to 24, down from 36 during normal navigation conditions, increasing transit delays, and causing shippers to look for alternative, more expensive routes. The Federal Maritime Commission has announced recently on its website it will hold an informal public hearing on February 7th to examine how conditions in the Red Sea and Gulf of Aden regions are impacting commercial shipping and global supply chains. The hearing will allow stakeholders in the supply chain to communicate with the FMC how operations have been disrupted by attacks on commercial shipping from Yemen and steps taken in response to these events and the resulting effects. In addition, the hearing will allow the FMC to gather information and identify any new issues related to these disruptions subject to FMC statutes such as implementing contingency fees and surcharges. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect.